Quincy, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing, sir? Good, good. It's good to be back on the Compound Girls show. Uh, I am in week two or three of of uh, COVID, so a little short on my breath today. So apologies for any congestion or coughing or anything that happens into the microphone during this this episode. <laughs> but, um, I'm really excited about this topic. I was reminded the other day, actually, by one of our customers who sent me a link to a post that was talking about funnels and middle intent funnels. Um, and, and the article was actually written by one, by one of our first customers at compound growth marketing. So, um, and, and it was about middle, the middle intent funnel, uh, the mid intent funnel. And, um, and I think there's a lot of talk these days about demos, trials, high intent leads, and that's critical. We need to kind of move past this age of ebook call to actions and just trying to collect someone's email information at all costs. But what we've done there, I think a little bit, we've overcorrected a little bit too much or in some places, some companies, I hate to generalize because everybody's in different places, but what yep. we've seen is some people are over-optimizing to that and they aren't thinking about how to capture mid-intent leads. And it's one of my favorite exercises, things to think about with users. Um, so one of the company that uh, that this came up because of is like, um, so one of the first companies I ever worked with at Compound Growth when it was still just me was Drift. And I, yeah. you know, the, the story is actually pretty funny. They, I ran into their VP of marketing um, at brunch and, uh, and we both had our kids and I was like, Hey, I'm starting a consultancy. And he was like, boom, you got your first client. And I was like, okay, <laughs> so that that's a story for another day. Uh, but when I joined, <clears throat> one of the things they were having trouble with was, or sorry, when I started working with them, one of the things we started working on was, or they, they, I think, I believe they had already worked on it was test drive which was mm -hmm. a product where you could test out putting drift on your website so they built a application that basically simulated you putting drift on your website because they found a lot of people were hesitant a lot of people didn't have access to the code and a lot of the bigger companies that they were bringing in were not um able to kind of actually put drift actually leverage the pre-trial to actually use drift so it was really interesting and it really mixed well for us at that time with Facebook and LinkedIn advertising because we were able to retarget a lot of users who came to the site, were checking it out, were really interested, but weren't able to actually start the free trial or didn't even have the initiative in some of these cases to start the free trial. So <clears throat> I thought that was uh I thought that was really interesting. I think. The other place where I've seen it used a lot, and I could because I love the mid intent funnel. I think the goal of what you should be doing with mid intent funnel people who are not necessarily in market and ready to purchase, or leads who may not 
fit like may not be right may not think they're ready to go down some of the other funnels they may not want a lot of people don't want to talk to salespeople. <laughs> oh, one thousand percent and you need to prove that value right um and so kind of the classic example like five seven years ago when SaaS was really picking up pace and it was and SaaS applications were glorified databases or it could be like a lot of people were using uh, SaaS to automate processes that they would have mm -hmm. done in Excel was to create templates in Excel yeah. of, hey, here's a um, inventory management uh, Excel spreadsheet, or here is a database marketing spreadsheet where you would have all the, like your database in the Excel spreadsheet, just like we used to do it in the olden days, Quincy. Uh, and, and we would look to get people in who had the intent, who were looking for those spreadsheets and then boom, make them aware to the fact that, hey, there is a way to do this in an automated way where all your data can be fed into this one application. You can pull the reports, you can you know, deduplicate uh, leads, you can track everything you need to track inside this one tool. And so that is where I first really started to fall in love with the mid-intent funnel. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I've, this has been a long soliloquy. So, uh, so what are your thoughts? Yeah, I was gonna say real quick. So I think in what I'm hearing, especially is that there is and it may depend on like the stage of the leader or the marketing team etc right but i think that there are different kind of pun like pardon the pun intense within kind of like the marketer it's themselves right with how where they focus on the uh, client side intent right because a lot of people uh, and I would love to hear your viewpoint on this. If they have high intent, it's like, uh, I'm thinking quick win. I can pass that like over to sales. And like, if I just get a bunch of these high intent things and it's like, all right, cool. My job's like way easier. Yeah. Um, low intent. Now I have to think about, okay, cool. So they're super low intent, but then like, maybe we can get them to that middle intent funnel and then have like a higher probability to close them. But what I'm hearing is, middle intent and low intent is is more work like you actually have to think strategic you actually have to think about what people are doing and then how to get them to move um, and i think yeah. that could be challenging for a lot of organizations depending on what stage of a marketer you're in you are right yeah and i think it's challenging for a couple of reasons one you need to figure out the right offer to get these users to want to push them down funnel so yep the popular one for a long time was ROI calculator. Um, and there's, I, I think there's two types of SaaS applications, ones that drive actual ROI directly that you can measure and other ones that save time. Mm. Um, and so it can be a little bit more difficult with ones that save time or ones that are just kind of optimizing uh, ROI or getting you just a little bit more ROI. Um, but I think the other challenge that a lot of companies have is they don't have access to developers like Drifted. So they yeah. struggle with, oh, we, you know, we don't have the resources to build this, but uh, the number of no code tools out there like Coda or Notion or, 
Airtable, or even applications that you can build on top of, um, build applications on top of that don't require a lot of sophistication. Are like even Excel, or I've done a lot in Google Sheets, um, yeah. are great ways to do that. And the keys for me are thinking, mapping out that buyer's intent journey. So we talk about how when CGM gets started with a client, we're always mapping out the buyer intent journey. And we're thinking about the different channels people are coming in from. We're thinking about the personas. We're thinking about the inflection point inside of those companies that kind of what's happening in that company that might ultimately lead them to want to purchase our product. Um, and then we're thinking about what the offer is. And when you're up funnel, whether it's coming in from SEO, especially LinkedIn, LinkedIn is great for this. Nobody wants to request a demo after uh, visiting you from LinkedIn. So thinking about the types of content. I have always felt like, one, you want to help create that momentum towards the bottom of the funnel by kind of taking the pain that they're having and kind of turning that into a realization that, hey, like you may be looking for a pain that's specific to one feature of ours, but really there's a whole product here that's going to be valuable for you. Um, and, uh, and then also getting users to make an investment. Mm -hmm. and, and I think about this, like, um, when, when you give away something for free, like content or advice, if you don't ask for anything in exchange, what I found is people oftentimes forget that advice. I've gone to a ton of coffees, a ton of Zoom meetings <laughs> in the last three years where, you know, I meet people, I meet young marketers, I meet other business owners, I'm talking to them, I'm giving them advice, and I love to give advice. But when I don't ask for something from those people, no matter what it is, they don't reach back out to me. Mm. And, and I think there's something where it, you know, to get somebody to want to, to remember what you did, like asking them for, you know, uh, in order for them to recognize how good an ROI calculator is, or in order for them to realize how good a, I have a, I have a spreadsheet I use, which is called the, how much of my company spend on marketing, which is a calculation I've built based off of some surveys that tells you what your marketing um, budget should be. Uh, and I give that out for free. And the number of people who reach out to me when I just give it to them for free uh, is like zero. But when I ask for them to enter some of their information or when I ask for something in return for me to give them that calculator, the number I, of questions I get from those people is much more because they're not taking it for granted. They, yeah. if, it's, if it's given to them for free, they are thinking, oh, like, you know, this can't be that great. They're giving it away for free. Uh, when you ask for something in return, Boom. And to, I'm thinking of so many examples, but another example is I have seen come a couple of years ago, Intercom came to Boston. Intercom, the, uh, the I don't even know what it does, email automation and chat. <laughs> we used it for a while and it was, you know, they, they said they were all these amazing things. And, but they would come to, Bo they came to Boston for their world tour. They, they charged everybody coming like, 10, 20, or a hundred dollars. And I talked to their VP of marketing at the event 
And he was like, yeah, you know, we tried doing this event for free, but nobody ended up attending. That's so wild. Tons of people ended up signing up. Nobody ended up attending. And that to me is the best example of you got to get people to invest a little bit. So I think at the mm-hmm. middle of funnel offers, um, you know, you can have really good content that's memorable and drives people back. But I would urge people to consider asking for something because it gets people to remember you. It gets them to actually start using the tool and it gets them to actually, you know, think about the investment they made to actually get access to this tool. And so they're not going to take it for granted anymore. And I, I, and I think the intercom parallel is like perfect. I want to be clear there because a lot of people here are saying probably, oh, you're being contradictory because we're asking for email. So they're making an investment, right? Like they're giving us yeah. an email for this ebook and like, what are we doing wrong? We're doing that. We're asking yeah. them to invest. Like, so no, I, I think that, I think that's right. I think. There is a movement to give away everything for free. And, yeah. you know, I've I've done that for a long time, ever since working at LogMan, we had a free trial, which asked for an email. But the goal at a lot of the PLG companies I've worked at is build a ton, ton of content, allow people in for free, and then, uh, you know, push them to the product or demo <clears throat> over time. And I think that's, that's right. But I think what I am saying is, you know, it's okay to have a middle mid intent offer that's asking yep. for someone's email, that's asking for them to make an investment, asking for that, you know, you have um, <clears throat> uh, surveys a lot of times will ask for you to submit feedback to the survey in order to uh, be able to gain access to the results of the survey. And and I think that's along the same lines of thinking is like, if people are just taking advantage of this, they're likely not to re- going to remember it or they're not gonna think the, the researcher is good or they're not gonna, they're gonna sign up for the event, but they're not gonna actually attend it in person because they didn't put anything down. <laughs> I was gonna say the number of virtual events I've signed up for and have not attended in this month alone um, are like, it's, astronomical <laughs> yeah yeah and and linkedin ads too right we would test yeah. those out in the early days we'd look to get we had a mid-intent offer we'd look to collect somebody's information and linkedin facebook lead ads those are great examples of somebody signs up they don't need to enter their email address they don't need to enter any information and so they just boom they download it and then you know, let's see, five, four or five years ago, um, we'd hear from sales team. Yeah, I called this lead, mid-intent lead, like good middle intent, middle of funnel offer. They're in the pain phase. They they are moving down towards getting ready to purchase. And uh, they don't remember. They don't remember this ebook. They don't remember doing anything. And it's like, well, LinkedIn and Facebook made it too easy. So we got to add some questions to the form to make them think they're actually getting something your conversion rate's going down but let me tell you something the $20 leads you're getting off the off of LinkedIn are not worth $20 to you I'd rather spend $100 for a lead that's worth that much because I actually got them to remember me versus versus the other way so when we're thinking about middle intent mid intent leads 
Um, again, building out the buyer's journey, thinking about the the content you have that um, that's uh, dry, that is in the pain phase of somebody's mm -hmm. purchase. So like, you know, marketing automation, I always think about it. Before I started looking for a marketing automation system, uh, when I was at Workable, probably six or seven years ago, I looked for lead management solutions because we already had intercom, we had email automation, we had chat on the website. I didn't need the whole marketing automation system, I thought. And so I was looking for lead management solutions, lead qualification solutions. I would scour Google for that. I would look, you know, I'd ask people in my network, hey, do you know of any lead qualification or lead management solutions? And so for a marketing automation system, like starting to walk people through what's how are you going to qualify leads and building like a tool that allows them to help qualify what their lead should look like is ultimately going to get these people who are on the pain phase. You're building trust with people who are having this pain. That's just one feature of your product, but you know, ultimately these are, these are good intents to try to capture, to turn someone into a customer ultimately. So I think, um, you want to figure out the different ways you can drive users into your product. Another one for us at Workable was we built out a ton of job descriptions and those were driving hundreds of thousands of visitors to us on a monthly basis. And from those job descriptions, it, we had kind of a middle of intent funnel. We, we took the user who was a couple of days away from posting a job description. We had them come in, they got a you know, we had the free content for them that they could use. <clears throat> if they left, we were still able to retarget those users to try to get them to come back. So we had this, you know, gigantic audience of pretty, pretty uh, of people who were in the pain phase, but pretty high intent. They weren't looking for an applicant, applicant tracking system, but they were looking to get this job description and post it out to a bunch of job boards. And so we created a CTA right on the, the right-hand side where you could, we'd say, post this job out to 15 plus job boards. They'd click on that. They'd go to an editable screen of the job description and mm -hmm. they were able to edit their job description and start their trial from there. And so that was like a really cool example where we took kind of mid intent and we were able to turn it into a free trial that already like as the user was starting, they were getting candidates right away. And they were, um, <clears throat> yeah, they were getting candidates right off the bat. They already had the job posted, which was the goal of our trial in a lot of cases. And then from there, we had to educate those users on to why they needed an applicant tracking system uh, to manage the entire process. But we already had candidates in the pipeline to show them how we made that hiring process easier. Well, and I think it's it's definitely like people taking innovation from like uh, other industries, right? Because it's the same, it's a car dealership. They let you test drive the car, you drive it around the block, you like get used to it and then you get back in your car and you're like, what is going on? I need that other thing because the safety features, because of all the things that the sales rep is is talking to you about. But the the goal is you, I mean, the, the understanding is you actually see the value that the new car provides as you're like sitting in it, you visualize, you're actually using it and you're actually um, forming 
Uh, I love this like neural pathways um, because you're using the product. So for a workable, they were using the product, they're forming these neural pathways, they're thinking about a new way to do hiring or whatever. And they're like, all right, cool. And they're seeing the value that it drives. And so it probably makes them a bit more sticky too. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, when you're on a car dealership, that's high intent. That's the demo. That's the free trial. So that that's a little bit different. Um, you know, maybe it's the the person who the Ferrari dealership or the McLaren <laughs> dealership that has the nice car out that attracts you know the 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 person with a hundred million dollars in their bank account and is just like, hey, come, you know. Or, or uh, actually, even better is like the BMW um, racetrack events, right? That is mm. you're getting a high net worth audience on there. They have disposable income that they can use. I don't even know. Do you use disposable income for somebody who's buying a, a BMW? <laughs> that's 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 a different level, right? But, I think it is. <laughs> but but the or the Land Rover experiences where you go yeah. like off-roading on the Land Rover and like it's um like those are the experiences that can turn people into lifelong fans of your product and you're getting them in the car using the 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 performance of the car in a way that you'll never actually need to use the performance <laughs> of that vehicle. You mean I will never need to like rock climb, like yeah, crawl? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did one of those one time. My friend's wife got it for him for his birthday. It was amazing. And it it almost got me to be a fan of Land Rovers, but I, I still <laughs> can't get over the fact that they're the quickest way to get to a uh, mechanic. Right. yeah there's something <laughs> about that um, um but yeah so it, it it's like it is it's thinking about all those different touch points and i think like the things that bmw and land rover and those experiential marketing events that companies do in the real world are are great examples of hey let's get people in let's start to earn them their trust let's give them free tools Let's, let's give them free content, let's give them whatever, and look to drive them into the funnel. And and sometimes that's just free content that captures, yeah. you know, that you're driving in people through LinkedIn or Google. And other times I would recommend considering um, putting, a, putting some type of gate on that content. If you have a really good free tool, gate it. Uh, and and get people to invest some time so that they remember you down the line. I always think about it like a doormat. Like you don't just want to be the person that somebody completely takes for granted and and walks on as they as they're getting into the house. Like you know, be the door. Make sure they remember you. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And so, like, I think like even if we're looking at the type of gates, like, so obviously you have the native platforms, but I think in the type of investment, uh, I've seen a lot of people maybe in the Web three community more so using things like Typeform uh, or those like one question type surveys where you can't get to the next screen until like you do another action or answer another question. Uh, so yeah. thinking about the um, the investment that people have to make is is actually interesting too as you're thinking about this um yeah. but i think the, the other thing that i've seen in organizations uh and as a challenge is maybe people do have an idea of buyer's journeys 
um, but they don't actually apply them to the channels, which is really interesting um, that I've seen um, as far as like when you go into maybe an ad setup or you go into like a LinkedIn or Google ads, like you should be able to see like that intent um, based on how things are grouped, um, maybe the offers that you're asking. But I think a lot of a lot of organizations don't do that. It's like, hey, yeah. product message. Um, it's a TV commercial. Here's like three different product messages. Right. Yeah. They're trying to take a single, um, they're trying to take the intent or the type of content they're producing and shove it down every single channel rather than thinking about the user experience, who the user is, what they're looking for at each stage. Yeah. Which has been really interesting uh, to kind of see and go into these channels and explore. Yeah. Um, and so what, What's the one thing, um, if anybody's listening to this, that we want people to take away as far as middle intent, middle intent uh, and even layering uh, on that customer journey? What's the most important thing you'd say? Yeah, I think um, I think building out that buyer, building out the buyer intent journey, mapping the content people would be interested in at the awareness, pain, and in market stages, and thinking about especially that pain stage because. That is the area where users are most ripe to uh, become, to like kind of create, uh, to start to have demand to become a buyer of your product. So somebody who, uh, you know, just moved into a house and got a dog is going to be quite likely to ultimately want to get a fence. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thinking about all the different things that are happening in your buyer's life that may trigger an event to want to purchase your product and uh, and looking to um, build out the funnels and the content and the free tools that can drive users down to, to make them trust you and also realize how your product can help them. So I, I just think the, the buyer's intent journey is such a great way to for brainstorming to understand how to better get in touch and align with your customers. And I think one of the things that we do here, which is uh, with any new client that we typically take on, uh, is method acting. We get into the product. We understand the flow, um, the user journey. And so, like, as a marketer, if you're internal at a company, um, I don't care if you're a, maybe a data scientist or whatever your product offers, like you should get into the product, understand kind of like all up um, what the product is, use it, touch it tangible, understand like what could draw people into wanting to use your product and then apply that to the buyer's journey as well. I think that's yeah. a kind of key component. Yeah. Love it. Cool. I, I say we end it there. Yeah, let's go, man. Uh, it's been awesome. Like I, I learned a lot from this one. All right, sounds good. Talk to you soon, Quincy. Later, sir.